This episode of the Author Revolution podcast is sponsored by the Windhaven Witches. Nestled in the woods of Windhaven, Massachusetts, Blackwood Manor waits to unleash a dark and deadly legacy. When Autumn Blackwood shows up at Windhaven Academy, she hopes to find out what dormant power she possesses in order to have been accepted to the elite supernatural school. Instead, an accident brings her face to face with a deadly legacy that could either save or doom them all. Fans of Kelly Armstrong, Joe Hill, and Jennifer Armentrout will love this supernatural ghost series. Head over to your favorite bookstore site now to pre-order the haunting first book, Secret Legacy, available September 15th, 2020. Hi again, and welcome back to the Author Revolution podcast. I'm your host, international best-selling indie author, Carissa Andrews, and CEO of Author Revolution, the author's source for all things rapid releasing. You know, the goal is obviously to put all that stuff on autopilot because, you know, the time we don't spend on marketing is more time spent on writing, and the more content, the more product you create, the bigger your audience is going to get. Have you ever wondered how you can manage a rapid release schedule while being a solopreneur, or in this case, authorpreneur? Well, my guest today is here to give you a few insights into doing just that. Stephen Gordon is the founder of Email Marketing Superstars. He is also one of my own marketing mentors, a rapid release mentee, and someone who I can say has become a friend. We've started talking about marketing in books just a little over a year ago when Author Revolution first became an online academy, and I was just kind of dabbling and venturing into a bigger marketing mindset. Stephen was considering the concept of writing a book or a series, but the idea wasn't fully developed yet. So our various levels of expertise crisscrossed, and we've been collaborating on ideas since then. While Stephen is working on his series of books, and obviously has a love for email marketing in specific, thus the email marketing superstars, He is also affectionately known in the online marketing space as the automations guy. (laughs) More than anyone I have ever met, Stephen has a way with automations as he ventures to make not only his business life, but his author life as streamlined as possible. So today I have brought him on the show to give some insights on how automations just might make your author life a little bit easier. Are you ready? Let's get to it. All right. Well, welcome, Stephen, for being here today. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about your background and tell my audience a little bit about what you do and how it's going to help them with their author automations. Okay. So before doing what I'm doing now, I, I was a program manager for a Fortune 50 company. So I managed a bunch of other project managers to make sure the projects got done on time, on budget, and all the other sort of great stuff. I actually left that job. I got to a point in my life uh, about six years ago uh, where I wanted to do something different. Uh, and something that I'd always wanted to do was write a novel. I had just completed my English literature degree. I uh, felt I was well prepared to you know, go out and express myself through a work of fiction. Uh, I, I wrote a novel and it was awful. Um, I mean, it was just <laughs> genuinely terrible. What I did uh, while I was writing the novel, uh, I would do that in the mornings. Then in the afternoons, I started taking on uh, freelance marketing work just to pay the bills. You know, I, I got the right without going, how are we going to pay this bill? How are we going to do that? 
And I enjoyed that. And I was getting good results uh, from my clients doing that for them. Uh, I, I started off as a, a jack of all trades doing online marketing work for local businesses. You know, a bit of web design, uh, you know, some SEO, some conversion rate optimization, paid traffic with Facebook ads and Google ads. But that can be quite exhausting, trying to do all things at the same time just meant I, I wasn't particularly good at any of them. I always enjoyed the, uh, the words and data side of marketing. Uh, so I sort of naturally niched down into uh, email marketing focus, um, you know, constructing nice, well-connected sales funnels around email marketing. But my primary goal was to be an author, so I, I had no desire to grow uh, you know, from a, a marketing freelancer into an agency. See, it's always been coming back uh, you know, to books. But obviously, as the work grew, I was getting expectations from clients. You know, so clients would say, hey, you know, what's happening with this campaign? What are the results on this? Uh, and that's when I got interested in automation. One of the questions people ask me uh, quite frequently is, how do you know what to automate? And it's simple. It is so easy. There are two questions to organize your automations. Uh, the first one is, do I hate doing this thing? And the second question is, do I have to do it? And if the answer is yes to both of those, that is a great candidate for automation. Automation or delegation. Some things can't be automated, but I always go to the automation point first. I like doing the creative part of the marketing. I just didn't like the admin uh, of the reporting and everything that came along with it. So I started uh, and built different automations where as I created campaigns, um, as I started getting results, that this fed into uh, customized dashboards uh, specifically for clients. And I, I got the, the automation to such a stage where that uh, when the emails went out, automated obviously, um, that they had, little, um, they had links below it that said, hey, if you have any questions about this, click the link. So they would click the link and they would come back to a chatbot, which I had configured. Uh, which handled about 99 out of 100 of the queries. You know, so That's people saying, amazing. hey, how, well, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it took a bit of effort to set it up, but, um, you know, I, I got it working. Did you do automation before then, or was that like the, the jump start for you? That was, that was the big jump start. Um, okay. That was the, I'd never really been motivated before, you know, even in a, in the, even in a corporate environment, because it's very different when someone else is paying your bills for you. But when you're self-employed, I don't have time to answer those emails. I need to automate those as much as I can. Yep. So that's, yeah, being a solopreneur is very difficult. And that's even the same case for authors. And this is, um, you know, as we have been talking for the best part of a year now, it's been very positive in some ways because it's, hey, a lot of this automation I can bring with me. I've had to think very seriously about it. And the realization that when you're doing the author thing, that's it. It's all on you. It's, it's, it's this direct relationship between you and the, and the marketplace. You know, I'm not selling something on behalf of someone else. I'm selling my own stuff or I will be selling my own stuff. And that's an added layer of complexity, but also brings about a bunch more opportunities to do things differently, again, through automation. For sure. Well, and with you, you've got that marketing experience, and I think that's going to be very beneficial to you as you get your books out into the world. So why don't we talk about that a little bit too? So you're in the process of writing your first series. Now you've written other yes. manuscripts in the past, but what's the experience been like for you so far? 
when I when I made the shift um, and I spent some time doing ghostwriting work uh, because again I was kind of trying to well I was filling myself really um, into hey this is another stride towards independence but the the ghostwriting experience uh, showed me look you're capable of doing this you know I was able to you know structure a good story but my first love in all honesty and this was a this was a huge click in mindset for me. Uh, my first love has always been comic books. I mean, I, I grew up in the UK uh, during this huge comic revival in the 1980s uh, where you had writers like uh, Alan Moore and Grant Morrison and Frank Miller uh, writing these um, you know, legendary graphic novels like Watchmen, uh, Batman Dark Knight Returns, uh, Arkham Asylum. I mean, these were huge. These are the ones that moved comics into the mainstream and became, you know, it was the, the genuine start of, of, of uh, comics as a, as, a, as a pop culture. And it was a combination of our conversations and also a comment that I read by the author, Chris Fox. And he spoke about, you know, writing to market, which doesn't necessarily mean, you know, going out and writing to, you know, a, a specific market. It was about finding the market that you're going to enjoy working in. I do like thrillers. I do like murder mysteries. You know, I even like romances. You know, one of the one of the nice things about going through the English literature degree is that it forced me to, to read outside of my normal genres. And sure. it's you know when you go out and you discover some you know an amazing diverse collection of of authors. I mean, prior to that degree, seven eight years ago, now I was mostly reading old white guys. If I'm honest, you know, I, I was reading Stephen Kings and you know and Frank yep. Herberts and Isaac Asimovs, and I was reading those folks. Uh, and that was you know oh, that's cool. They're they're fantastic writers, but the the, the degree you know pushed me out of uh, that comfort zone and said, okay, we want you to try reading this. You know, we want you to try reading the classics. You know, we want you to try reading uh, you know diverse uh, you know African science fiction. I didn't even know what existed at that time. It was crazy. Sure. You know, stuff and I'm running about and I'm, I'm waving these books at people and going, have you read this? Have you heard of this woman called Margaret Atwood? And people are going... <laughs> like, where have you been? <laughs> and I, I enjoyed all those. And what I found was that I enjoyed the, the huge revival uh, works by the likes of Alan Moore and Grant Morrison. Um, they weren't necessarily writing superhero stories. You know, they were writing, you know, you know, horror stories. They were writing murder mysteries. They were writing thrillers. Uh, they were writing detective fiction that just happened to have superheroes in it. And that was the huge light bulb moment. Um, that was the moment when I thought, that's what I want to do. Those are the books that I want to write. And that's, that dovetailed in nicely because we had just started having some conversations and, yeah. and I was sort of going, this, this can't be right. And, you know, and I remember coming back to you and having the conversation saying, hey, look, do you know what? This, this thing's kind of hit me. I went out for a walk over the past couple of mornings and I've got nine books in a series in my head. Uh, yeah. and you just went, that's it. That's it. That's your series. And I, I went from yeah. my heart not being in it to I need to try and write these quickly. I need to try, you know, and that's when we start getting into the whole rapid release conversation. I need to write these quickly. So that's actually my next question. So we've been talking about marketing and books for, like you said, over a year now. Have I convinced you then about rapid releasing or are you still kind of like, ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm, I think I'm possibly the, uh, the, the, I feel guilty about being an advocate for rapid release, if I'm honest, um, because it feels <laughs> really natural to me. Because, I, I, again, that, that comics background, 
the really great writers in, in comic book fiction and, and the comic book fans out there are going to go, yes, and everyone else is going to go, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, but <laughs> one of the consistencies of comic books is that they will rotate writers off. So you, you don't get you know, a writer on a comic book. You will get occasionally people on like 10-year runs, uh, but that's very rare. And those tend to be exceptionally good. You know, so you get guys like Brian Michael Bendis, uh, who done an incredible run on Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, which was I think about twelve years long, off the top of my head. It, I, I just finished rereading it, and you know, spoilers if you have never read it. Um, spoiler alert, because it is something I have to talk about. That was essentially Bendis essentially did a rapid release, so it was a twelve-year-long rapid release with hundreds and hundreds of issues. And the way it worked, again, kind of similar to Rapid Release, was Bendis told stories in six-issue arcs. So it was six issues to deal with this story arc, and then the next six issues would deal with this story arc. And this went all the way through right to the finale. And Bendis broke a rule of comic book writing. Huge, huge spoiler. Trust me, if, if you're into Spider-Man and you haven't read it, you don't want to listen to this bit, put me on mute for the next five seconds. Uh, he kills <laughs> Spider-Man in the end. And, and not in a, hey, I'm going to kill this guy and bring him back sort of way. It was done. It was this genuinely heart-rending, soul-destroying, emotional roller coaster of a 15-year-old Peter Parker essentially getting uh, beaten to death in his front garden by the, you know, the Green Goblin and uh, the Vulture, the Sinister Six. And the, right. the, 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 the incredible thing was about it, this thing ran for like 186 issues off the top of my head. And he forecast it back in book one, you know, the first issue of it. He, for, you know, he kind of foreshadowed it there all sure. the way through to the end. And you're just going, dude, how did you do that? And as we get talking about rapid release and you introduce me that concept of planning that series, you know, so it's, you know, don't go into the series blind. You know, yep. have, have that outline, not, not hugely detailed, because I know the pantsers are going to be out there going, no, that's sacrilege. <laughs> yes. The easiest equation I can make it to was back in my corporate days. As a, as a project manager and a program manager, we, the, the same we had was plan the work, work the plan. And you can only plan so much. I mean, we planned, you know, start, middle and end of a project. And life has this way of just messing everything up. Yes. You know, it's just going to come along and it's just going to go, dude, that thing messed it all up. And that was okay <laughs> because the plan was always flexible enough, um, you know, to adjust for that and to get things done. And I'm now seeing with the process of rapid release of, okay, so this is the series. You know, so I mentioned a nine book series. It's actually three, uh, it's three trilogies. There's probably a name for that. Don't know what it is. Have to find out. Uh, try trilogy. A try trilogy. <laughs> double double trilogy. I don't know. Try, you know oh no, that's going to bug me. I'm going to go off topic. Um, <laughs> but I really struggled at the start, and this is a relatively recent thing, because again, it's something that you spoke about. You know that concept of these multiple books are like having kids of different ages, and that just clicked something in my head again, um, right. where I was going, okay, I'm going to plan this out. And I have, you know, I know what happens at the, I know what happens at the start of each trilogy. I know what happens at the end of each trilogy. I know who the protagonist is. I know who the antagonist is. I now know how each book finishes, but I've got plenty of flexibility to go, okay, I can, 
you know, stuff may change and I can jump back to the first book and, you know, and tweak the plan a little bit. On an average day, I'll do about 5,000 words over a few hours because I just, I find with the plan, with that rapid release approach, I just had a flow state bang through. And on a really, really good day, 10,000 words isn't uncommon. Nice. That's fantastic. And, and that's a huge contrast to before where I would sit down and I would struggle to do like 300 words. I'd be like, oh, because I, I was trying to, I was trying to write a scene while plotting out the whole series in my head, as right. opposed to I've now got the plot, I've got the series plan there. So I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge convert uh, to this concept of rapid release because it's you know the plan is that you know here's the first trilogy, here's you know here's the first book in January, uh, second book in February, third book in in March, and if I'm working the plan properly, um, I'm looking at getting each trilogy out comfortably nice quality at least one trilogy a year which i'm i'm happy with that if i get more out great i think that's fantastic i mean a tri- when you think about it three books a year especially as you're just getting started that's a huge undertaking and when i did two books it was enough to make my brain kind of explode when i did that in 2017 i was like never again never again will i do that and then of course mm-hmm. at each year you just get like no let's try like 3 this time or no 4 this time and now i'm up to 5 <laughs> you just get crazier as the time goes on but i think a, a trilogy is a, it's manageable to do each year and it's not so much that you're going to overwhelm yourself you know what i mean in the beginning middle or end because you're going to be able to handle each of those 3 and all the marketing side of it. I mean, you've got the marketing down way more than even I do. And so I think for you, that's going to be a, a much easier task and something that you're going to really enjoy because it, it's kind of in your wheelhouse. But I know a lot of authors who just are, are, not, are not a fan of the marketing side. Yeah, and, and it's, um, it's less about uh, my own experience of this, but it's more I've been doing this for quite a bit for other authors. I, I, you know, I, I read a lot of stuff. Everyone talks about it. It's the heart of uh, the marketing process for authors. You know, it's low cost. It's really effective. You know, it's a great way of building a relationship with readers. And there are so many courses out there which say, here's how you do email marketing. And you know what? It's actually kind of easy because with email marketing, it's about prep. And this is where the automation comes in. So, you know, I would say out of, I'd say 99, actually, you know what? I'd actually say 100% of the authors that I've worked with, when I go to talk to them about the email marketing side of their business, you know, they don't even have even a working form uh, for people to sign up. And the ones that do, it's, you know, someone will sign up and they'll maybe, maybe, not always, they'll maybe get an email which says, hey, welcome to my mailing list. And then that's it. And yep. then, you know, various authors will then sit and complain and go, oh, I don't know what to write and I've missed this week and I've missed that week. And one of the things that I always say to the authors is uh, there, there's a couple of different terms for it. Some people call it a Seinfeld sequence. Uh, some people call it a shadow newsletter. What I always encourage authors I work with is to set up a six to 13 week series of emails. So one a week, short emails. So when someone signs up, they get that first email, which says, hey, thanks for signing up to my list. And then over the next 13 weeks, they are guaranteed this person is going to get an email from them. They're pre-written and they are based around, you know, so with me, uh, you know, as I, as I expand mine out, as I have a book getting ready, um, and as I want people to sign up to my author mailing list, you know, they're going to get a sequence of 13 emails talking, funnily enough, 
about different superhero things. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to talk about, um, you know, I'm actually sitting writing these at the moment. You know, so I talk about, you know, here's my top five graphic novels. You know, here's my five favorite comic writers. Here's my five favorite comic artists. Um, and I actually just got a little spreadsheet and brainstormed the ideas. What would I put into this? Uh, and because I'm talking about superheroes, I went back and the spreadsheet had 37 topics on it. I'm going, there we nice. go. There's 37. 37 weeks worth of content. Awesome. And nice. I haven't even mentioned the book in there yet, um, which is crazy, because I don't need to. And again, something that I've done with authors is, you know, I've worked with authors, and I'm sure we've all signed up to some author mailing lists where we've signed up and people go, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. You know, it's just like five, you know, five to 10 emails just consecutively going, have you bought my book yet? Whereas with an automated sequence in place, you know, talking about anything but your books, uh, it builds up that relationship and you've got that opportunity. You know, you can put in a, uh, what I find works really well. And I know this isn't about email marketing, but again, it's that element of automation. Right. What works really well on the non-sales emails with the relationship building emails is just, you know, having that, that single signature block at the bottom with a little button or a little line which says, you know, click here for my backlist. Taking someone across their page, uh, always bring them back to their own webpage, kids. Don't just take them to Amazon. Um, <laughs> bringing someone back to your web page with your bibliography and making it look nice and pretty. I'm not the guy to talk to about that, um, but making it look nice and pretty with covers <laughs> in chronological order and story arcs and all the rest of that great stuff, that will help sell books because you're building that relationship and then people are also going to go, I like hearing from Stephen. I like hearing from Carissa. I like hearing from you. And, you know, when they're in between books, they're going to click in, they're going to get your newsletter and they're going to click on it and go, oh, I'll give this a try. I'll go to this series. So you may not make that seal in the first couple of emails, but if you develop that habit with someone where they're constantly opening up the emails, that's awesome. So I, mean, I think a lot of authors know that as a, a nurture sequence too, right? Yes. That's, okay. that's another term I was, and it's, you know, a lot of people are going, uh, and again, I don't want to make this a, an email marketing discussion, but I know a lot of folks go, I don't know what to write about. And it's always so easy because talk about your genre, you know, talk about other people's books that you think are great. Talk about, you know, because I know um, you've got some, um, with the, the Windhaven work coming up or the, the Windhaven uh, release coming up, you know, it's yep. a huge Academy series, you know, and you know, bang, there a couple of weeks ago, you know, new release of the Umbrella Academy. It's in the name. Um, right. <laughs> it was just, just so spoiled for choice. There's so much content. I must admit, I feel kind of overly spoiled at the moment because Marvel's doing all my promo work for me. And if I'm just going out and saying, hey, look, there's this new thing from Marvel or from DC. And, you know, my yeah. big thing that I've been chatting about with people about is I'm in the boards and the groups and, and again, feeding into the nurture sequence that I'm building. You know, I'm, I'm talking about, hey, you know, here's the chronological order for, you know, watching the Marvel movies. Uh, you know, hey, this release is coming out. Have you seen the fandom releases? I mean, it's all brilliant. Uh, I mean, it's just right. all content where I'm just feeding all this in. It's evergreen content because you know, I can say, you know, here's my breakdown of the new Suicide Squad movie. Because all I have to do is after a period of time, I just take out the word new and here's my breakdown of, you know, Suicide Squad, you know, and right. compare the two. It's just all content, you know, so content within your genre is always there. It's a lovely thing because I had one author in particular who was a murder mystery author uh, who I wrote a 20-week nurture sequence for. 
Uh, and it was sort of peppered with her books in there, but you know, it was she's a huge Agatha Christie fan. I mean, she's a massive Agatha Christie fan. And you know, with, within that within that twenty email sequence, she was encouraging a uh, almost like a book club of you know the highlights of the Agatha Christie series uh, of books. You know, and she had polls in there. You know, who's better? You know, Miss Marple or Poirot? You know, it was great. And, you know, she just saw this constant rise and she got in contact a few weeks ago and went, I completely forgot about my nurture sequence. She was, <laughs> I completely forgot about it. It was just, you know, she's just sending out her emails each week and uh, she moved from uh, her old mailing list to a new one and couldn't understand why her sales dropped because she didn't bring the nurture sequence across with her. Oh my um, goodness. That actually brings up a really good point then. So as an emerging author and for someone who's obviously considering rapid release or to any of those new authors who are coming in, would you say then that your automated sequence, your nurture sequence is the first thing that you should start with when it comes to automation? Or is there something else that you would start with first? If I'm sort of going right back to the start, um, so that, that's heavy on marketing. And I'll jump to the start in a second. Uh, the one thing which I would definitely recommend for marketing is you're going to have all these different marketing pieces going on you know so you'll have facebook ads you should have facebook ads you'll have your website you will have amazon ads you'll have book ads and maintaining those never mind building them maintaining those is going to drain there's also a fantastic opportunity and again it's within automation and this always amazes me because not a lot of authors or the courses talk about this is that if you've invested money and you've got someone uh, through a Facebook ad, no one retargets. And again, it's another form of automation where if you're running a, you know, a Facebook campaign, a newsletter, uh, if you're getting a, you know, a BookBob ad sequence going out, where all of these things should be bringing everyone back to your website uh, to right. set up a retargeting sequence. And what I always encourage is when you have all these pieces, it's really easy to get lost. This sort of comes from my first experience with automation. Set up automated reporting as quickly as you can. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're just sending everything to a spreadsheet. I personally use a, a tool called Google Data Studio. It's free. It's a little bit fiddly to set up, but it is crazy powerful. And what Google Data Studio lets you do is you can send all your ad spend, you can send all your ad results, how many visitors you're getting to your website. Um, the only one that it doesn't let you do at the moment is Amazon ads, but I've been told that Amazon's going to open up their API to let you do that. So rather than sitting there and freaking out all the time and going, how much have I spent on this? Am I selling books? You know, what's my read-through rate? You can get a lot of this by automating your reporting so that everything goes to this dashboard. Uh, so when, as an author, you can flip it open, look at it and go, okay, I'm seeing this much traffic going to my website. These ads are performing like this. And it essentially shows you all the way up to, and it stops, unfortunately, at the moment. You can configure your reporting dashboard to show your sales funnel. So a very sort of simplistic version of it would be if you're running Facebook ads for a giveaway for your first book, um, which brings people to your website where they sign up, where they get their first book, where you have a back matter link that then clicks through to Amazon. You can have all of that going through to a dashboard where you can see, okay, so that Facebook conversion cost me 75 cents. You know, say you're getting 10 click 
for 10 cents clicks and it costs you 80 cents to get someone to go through to the website uh, and then convert through to downloading the book. You get to see that all in the dashboard where you can say, okay, so I spent a hundred bucks on advertising this month and that sent through 500 people to Amazon for me. Uh, and then on a separate screen, it's unfortunate you can't put it into your dashboards, uh, but you can then go look at Amazon and say, okay, so how much did I make? And if you really want it to, you can just transpose the numbers across and it can say I've spent, because I like nice, simple things. Uh, so what I like to see in my dashboards is I have spent a hundred bucks in total on advertising this month and I have earned a thousand dollars. Ooh, that's, you know, that's <laughs> right? ideal. Uh, so, so where does someone get put their dashboard together? Like, is there an actual location that they would go to then? I would recommend starting out with uh, getting everything into a Google spreadsheet. Google's wonderful because everything connects to Google. So for example, you know, things like your Google Analytics, things like your Facebook ads, all of that information can be exported out into a Google spreadsheet where and you can automate those exports as well. And then that gives you the chance to go, I've only got one spreadsheet to check and you can start fiddling around with it. Now, if you're feeling a little bit more adventurous, I would definitely recommend checking out a product I mentioned before, Google Data Studio. Yeah. Uh, so Google Data Studio, it's absolutely fantastic. It's, it's a highly visual way to graph and chart any data whatsoever and historically. So as a, as a product, because it's Google, things like Google Analytics, all your website traffic, all of that, obviously, if you're configured for Google Analytics, all of that will feed into uh, Google Data Studio automatically. And then you can pull information out of Google Sheets. So, you know, if you are an author, you could pull down your data from Kindle Reporting into a spreadsheet, and then it would pull that into Google Data Studio as well. That bit's manual, but you'd only need to do it once a week. And then it builds up this growing, growing picture uh, where you can go, okay, so show me my ad spend over the last six months and show me, my, show me my sales, and it will pop up in Google Data Studio for you. And it's just magnificent. Oh, and by the way, it's free. Doesn't cost a penny. I know there's some really great Kindle reporting tools out there, but I think the ones I've seen come with quite a, a hefty price tag. Google Data Studio, completely free. It's the way you're talking you're about that, that I could so see you as like the Tony Stark of digital information for books, just spreading it all out there and trying to figure out what's going on right now. I'm all about the ongoing sales, you know, so when I go to someone and yeah. say, hey, I'm not going to turn you into a millionaire overnight, but if we, you know, if we, if we do this consistently, you'll be a millionaire in a few years because your series sells really well. It's just not enough people know about it. So yeah. in terms of automation from that side, it's, you know, it's about, you know, having all that data going to one place. So you can see what's working, what ads are working, uh, what covers are working, what blurbs. You know, we haven't even talked about things like split testing and all that other sort of great stuff, which can be automated. Um, again, right. using completely free products uh, from Google, um, where you have, you know, if you're driving traffic uh, from your Facebook ads back to your web page, you know, if you're not sure whether cover A or cover B is the best one, take both. And there are Google tools which will send half your traffic to one page and half to the other. And then your report will show you, hey, this is the one which converts the most. On book cover A, 80% uh, of people click through the Amazon. Uh, on book cover B, only 30% did. Well, book cover B's just died to death. And 
right. that's your that's your automated dashboard feeding the information back. Where again, it's it's that sort of almost that Tony Starkism. And, and yes, I do have just a dedicated large monitor for my stats because you know I like to look up and go even to that simplistic sense of hey, that's green, that's okay, that's gone red. I need to go and fix it. And you're sure. building this up over a period of time, you know. So anyone that's sitting out there and going, oh, this is too mad, it's too complicated. This isn't an overnight thing. This is you build your automations up over a period of time because the, the first step towards automation is having your processes. So, you know, if I go right back to the start, you know, at the moment I am less about marketing because I scaled down my clients because I, my focus is on my own work now. I was on my own books. That's in the quite pretentious. My focus is on my own work now. Yeah, <laughs> How dare your right clients now. get in my way? Yes. <laughs> How dare they get in my way? That's yeah, so I've scaled the client work right down. You know, and for me, it's those reports, you know, right at the start, my automations at the moment focus on, I just want to write every day. Um, I don't want to have to fiddle about uh, with emails or stuff like that. Unfortunately, I still have to. So I have a process at the moment where I use a product called Trello and I have mapped out my process. This is my writing process to rapid release. And I've made some little tweaks in there. Uh, you know, the core of it is your rapid release approach, but I've got the little tweaks in there because I know that I can be like a big lazy child about certain things sometimes. It's just like, <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So I, one of the joys of being 47 is I, I know my failings. You know, as I'm working on these books, I also know that I am a, an easily distracted procrastinator um, that as I'm getting to the hard bit of something, you know, a new idea will pop up in my head and I'll be, oh, you need to start working on this new idea right now. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to disappear. Again, I've automated myself away from that because I'll pick up my, my mobile phone or my cell phone. I open up a Google Doc just because you know, it, it can, you can do offline notes on that. I open up a Google Doc, I tap out the idea so it's fresh in my head, I save it to a specific folder, and then in the background, I use a tool called Zapier, or Zapier, depending where you're coming from. I always say Zapier, because it zaps. Uh, I use an automation tool called Zapier. Zapier is essentially a tool which says, I'm going to help these two programs talk to each other. So when I create something on Google Docs and save it in this certain folder, Zapier wakes up and goes, oh, that's a new story idea. And Zapier picks that up and then puts it in a, as a card on Trello under a story ideas list. So I never lose story ideas. You know, so if it's three o'clock in the morning and I wake up with the bestest story in the world ever, it's the most fantastic tale that has to be told. I reach over, I grab my cell phone, I tap out the idea, I save it to Google Docs, and then I fall back asleep again. I wake up in the morning and just go, I have no idea what that means. You know, it's, you know, marble, bluefish, red pepper, mel. What? What was that? <laughs> well, I have a question then about that because for me, when I have those cool ideas that spark, I have a tendency to do uh, a voice memo instead of writing it down, whether it be in the middle of the night or whenever, I'll just leave a quick voice memo to myself. But then I move them over into like Evernote, but I do that manually. I don't do it uh, using zaps or anything like that. Is that something that oh, you yeah. can still do? Yes. And again, with this, the voice memo tool that I have, Voice Record Pro, if I do a voice note, it, Zapier again wakes up uh, because I have the voice note set to, um, uh, it's, it's got a cloud feature function on it uh, or a cloud function on it. So if I make a recording, it automatically backs it up into a folder in Google Drive for me. Uh, Zapier again wakes up 
and says, okay, I need to create a card out of that and attach the voice file there as well or link awesome. to the voice file. Uh, okay. So it's all there. So I would have had that fear, which I guess a lot of authors do of, I have this idea and I don't want to forget it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and my story ideas thing, I, I think it's sitting at like 35, you know, and this is it's still relatively new because I'm still going through all my old files, uh, but it's sitting at about 35 story ideas. And I have that comfort and that internal peace, uh, to be quite honest, where I'm never missing an idea. And that once I get to the end of, you know, once I get through the tri trilogy, I have this yep. mine of stuff just sitting, waiting there going, who's next? You know, so right. another piece of automation sort of moving to the next step of that is, okay, I want to sit down and write, but I want to keep track of it. And I also want to, you know, I want to start building out an audience. You know, I'm, I'm an author no one has heard of. It's going to be great in 20 years' time if I'm sitting there going, I'm the James Patterson of superhero fiction. And they'll be able to go, right? do you remember that interview I said where I was the author no one heard of? But, you know, that's a whole other <laughs> And we'll go back to this one and we'll play it again. <laughs> yeah, ooh, play the greatest hits. Um, but I know one of the things that people are constantly thinking about is, you know, as a, you know, as a first-time author writing their first book or their first trilogy or their first series, you know, how do I start building out that audience? And I want it to, again, honestly, because I hate doing it and because I'm lazy, I want it to find <laughs> a way of tracking my work output to see what, you know, what works best and what doesn't. And honestly, to have a bit of motivation. So one of the things that I came up with was it's pretty common for folks to use a word count spreadsheet. But again, I'm lazy. I don't want to have to go in and open up Google Drive and fiddle about and find the folder. So right. what I have is a, uh, a link to a form. And that's on my cell phone and it's on the, the, the desktop of my laptop. And what I do is I do my writing for the day and I, I do my word count by writing or how many words I've edited. And when I've done that, when I've hit the point where I'm burnt out and my brain just will not create anymore, I will shut that down and I click a link. It opens up a form to my website and it says, how many words have you written today? How many words have you edited today? And then it asks me a couple of questions, which are random. It will ask me questions. Hey, what worked really well today? What didn't work so well today? And I will just tap all this out and I will fill out, essentially fill out a form. And then I hit submit and it goes and auto-generates a post on my website for me. And it says, hey, Stephen, you wrote this many words today. You edited this many words today. And then it's little notes from myself that are kind of out there, which I'm, I'm experimenting. They're, they're private posts at the moment, but I'm about to switch them to public. Uh, and it's essentially a way of looking back and going, hey, this worked really well. This worked really well. And one of the things that I know people love is, hey, what's working? You know, people love that behind the scenes thing. And we're not talking big, massive, long blog posts. We're talking, right. you know, we're, we're talking maybe a couple of hundred words at most. Hey, this worked really well. This didn't work really well. Split migraine today. You know, and I'm starting to look back at those entries, which at the minute are going into uh, a Google Sheet. But whenever I get the courage, the motivation, I will switch that across uh, so that it posts automatically on my website. So it's constantly filling up content and, you know, and then I can start sharing that out. And again, because of automation, because we love automation, when it hits that, there's little timers will go off, which will then go, okay, so now put this into my Facebook page. I was just wondering if that would be the case. That was going to be my next question. That's awesome. Everything is content. So anyone that's out there at the moment going, I'd like to create this or I'd like to do videos. 
it's create the content and then put the automated systems in to just shoot that stuff off everywhere. And it, it, it keeps falling back on this, do you hate doing it? Do you have to do it? If the answer is yes to both of those, look for ways to automate it. So that's really their starting point. Rather than getting overwhelmed and, and trying to get all the automations done at once, just start with the one thing that's really irritating you right now. Automate yes. that one thing and then just continue to build it out. Right? And I would say for most authors, list building is probably the thing that they hate doing, but they know they have to do it. I had one author who came to me and said, list building feels like I'm begging people to be my friend and I don't like it. And I said, okay, so what if I established an environment for you where all you had to do was to create content and everything else just happened? And she was just, hey, that would be great. She writes daily little short notes for her website, which then get picked up and spread out through social channels uh, with all the correct hashtags. And that's uh, putting that in place, you know, using, a, you know, using tools like Zapier, uh, using tools like Buffer, uh, you know, and there's a bunch of social sharing tools out there now, you know, and you know, especially if you're an author starting out, uh, you know, having something where you create content and all the admin is done for you is a fantastic list building tool, um, right. you know, especially if that content is getting shared, not so much with Facebook anymore, because Facebook can be you know, quite restrictive about what they're going to show unless you want to hand over some money. But the, the social tools like Instagram, like Twitter, where hashtags uh, are still a great way of you know, getting your content in front of people who haven't seen it before where you know, she's gone from complaining at me that, as I said before, you know, building a mailing list feels like I'm begging for friends. You know, it's now something that she doesn't, re- you know, she doesn't think about, and she gets that real glee where you know, she will do uh, her daily posts, and she laughs like a child when she gets these reply emails going, hey, I totally get that. I'm like that as well. Or you know, she'll talk about, uh, books that she's reading, you know, so sometimes she will go on a series of posts uh, and it's just right, you know, it, it's like she's writing to a diary and all of this is getting spread out to an audience and she, you know, she will say, look, you know, I will go months without remembering that I have this audience because she just kind of thinks well, books are sort of selling themselves. Uh, but the reality is that it's part of this interconnected automated selling environment. She has ads running, she has her newsletter. All of this is getting tracked, you know, so she has Facebook pixels, she has Google tags on her website. That's all feeding this information back into this automated marketing machine for her. But, you know, her big thrill is when she gets an email from someone saying, you know, I'd never heard of you before, but I've read your first book, you know, and I've just, you know, spent the whole weekend reading all seven books in the series and it's crazy good. And I just want to write and tell you that automated marketing machine is bringing people to her in the first place. Uh, And she forgets it's in place. So I have a question then for you. If there is anyone listening that would be like, oh my gosh, I am not the person to do that for myself. Are there people like you, for instance, or other people that you would recommend for them to be able to reach out to, to try to hire? Like if they actually have the funds to be able to do it because it's just not in their want to do, where would they go to be able to get something like that set up for themselves? I would, I would definitely say get in touch with me first of all. A lot of this stuff... You know, I'm quite happy to talk about, quite happy to help people out. And, you know, and if someone's genuinely stuck, um, you know, I'm going to be able to at least you know, guide them in the right direction. And it's, you know, if someone has that balance of, look, what have you got? Have you got time or have you got money? So if someone has more time than money, then I've got a bunch of resources that I can recommend. 
depending on their circumstances and say, hey, go on, you know, go and watch this course on Udemy, read this book, do this. You know, that's going to help an awful lot. You know, or if they're going, hey, look, do you know what? I've got 20 book catalog, you know, and I've, I've got a, a, you know, I've got a nice income. I'm able to afford your services. Then I'm going to go, okay, well, I can put something together for you because, you know, your content is everything. If someone's out there and they're going, well, you know, I don't have an awful lot of time and I don't have an awful lot of money. In all honesty, no one's going to be able to help you. It's, and that sounds yeah. pretty harsh, but it's the truth. Um, but I'm more than happy for people to come to me uh, and say, hey, look, you know what? I've, you know, I'm, I'm a brand new author. I'm doing this you know, while I'm holding down a job and looking after my family. You know, and the thing I'm going to say to them is look, focus on getting your books written. You know, get, your, get your series written. Don't worry about anything else. Get those books. Get them up on Amazon uh, because they're the absolute best marketing you can get. And while you're doing it, you know, based on our conversation, here's a couple of resources I can recommend. And there are some incredible resources out there for automation-specific stuff. If someone really wants to learn about automation, the single best first resource to go to is Zapier.com. It is incredible. This is the company who makes their money by selling you their automation tool. So they have this massive library of videos and articles and tutorials. Some of it is author-specific on how to automate pretty much everything. You know, because Zapier wants Zapier wants you to automate because then you will give them money. Um, right. <laughs> and again, Zapier is really clever because they know that you know people are hesitant. Automation is new, so they've actually got quite a generous free plan. You get a hundred tasks. You know, so the easiest way I can explain tasks is it's like getting 100 signups. Uh, you get 100 free tasks from Zapier every month. The clock resets every month. And that lets you sort of get your feet wet with, with automation. So you get to go, well, okay, so I'm going to write this blog post, um, but I'd like it to get sent through to my mail program, which isn't integrated with WordPress. And Zapier will make that connection for you. And you get to try it out for free. That's awesome. Hmm. So, okay, if they want to get in touch with you, though, what's the best way for them to do that? Do you want them to go uh, to a the, website or? Uh, the best way is if you go to emailmarketingsuperstars.com. There are contact things on there. I am expanding out the information I have on there, not just for email marketing, but in automation in general. There are probably some authors out there who are looking at this and going, oh, my God, there's so much that I didn't even think about in the first place, let alone think about to automate it. So I think for them, the key is really not to get overwhelmed, that each one of those pieces can be tackled one at a time. And then, you know, just start with the basics first and worry about some of the more advanced areas that can be automated later. So that it's like writing the book. I mean, if you're trying to look at the book as the the whole and think you can get it done in a day, it's not going to (laughs) happen. You you have to to break it down into bite-sized chunks. You're you're absolutely right. It's It's this ongoing basis of... The process I have now is not the process I will have a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. Because as, as my experience grows, I mean, even over the past few weeks, you know, our conversations have, you know, again, more light bulb moments. I went, oh, that's a much better process than what I have. As the process improves, the automations change. The ultimate goal is, as authors is, hey, I'm quite happy dropping in 500 bucks 
a thousand bucks a month at the top of the machine, as long as it's, you know, as long as it's spitting out, you know, 10,000, 20,000, $30,000, you know, at the end of it, um, right. we're quite happy to let these things automate it because then it falls back to all we really want to do is produce great content. So we want to produce great stories. We want to write really good books so that, you know, Market, marketing is just an overhead cost and not something which is a drag on time. And again, that's where automation comes in. Automate all of it as much as possible. Um, at the heart of everything that, you know, and again, always comes back to these two questions. You know, do I hate doing it? Do I need to do it? When you burn all of those away, you know, when you've got rid of everything that you hate doing but has to be done, you know, when you've done those two things, what you're left with is the stuff, I love doing this. That's all that matters. I'm doing. I'm only doing the stuff that I love doing. I'm not doing any of the things that I hate to do. Now, is it possible to fully automate? You know, to get to that point, I still haven't done it. I'd be lying if I said I did. You know, there are still some tasks I'm looking at that I have to go. I've scheduled them. I have to do them. But there are a lot fewer. There are a lot far between. You know, and I have the option of if I ever get to the point where I really hate it, you know, it's things like my, you know, things like my accounts. I really hate doing that. So, you know, I, I give my accountant money and they do all of that for me. And because, yeah. you know, I really hate doing it, I use QuickBooks and, you know, my accountant has access to QuickBooks. So I just, everything's online for me and everything goes in and, you know, we don't even talk. He just, you know, hey, I'm going to put your returns in, check this. I hit go and that's it. I'm quite happy. I think at the last count, I have about 125 automations constantly running. Um, and that's just and for you just and your author business? Yeah, that, that's just for me and, and, you know, my author and my, uh, and my freelancing business. Uh, okay. And it's, you know, that just lets me generate content and then it just pushes everything out. And I'll be honest, if it wasn't for a spreadsheet that I had, I wouldn't even know what half of them were anymore. It just makes my life so much simpler. I get to, I get the right. I, you know, I, I spend the majority of my day writing and not answering emails because again, I've automated email responses. You know, I've, I've automated a whole bunch of things, uh, so I don't have to tackle that work. That is awesome. Well, I think that is ultimately where everybody in the author community wants to get to, especially if they're taking on something as adventurous as rapid releasing, because there's enough things to be thinking about and doing just with that in its own self. So trying to automate as much of the outside noise as possible makes it a lot easier for them to focus on the the actual task at hand of writing those books as quickly as possible. Yep, absolutely. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today and giving us all these insights and tips about how to automate and just your journey and everything that's kind of come into it. I appreciate you being here. It's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Chris. I really appreciate it as well. Well, there you have it. As you can see, Stephen knows a lot when it comes to marketing and automations. We've covered a lot and rest assured, I will make sure there are links in today's show notes, which of course can always be found at authorrevolution.org forward slash 45. You know the drill. Let's take this discussion online. Hop over to Author Revolution's Facebook group and let's talk about automation. Have you asked yourself those two big questions that Stephen Gordon suggests? And if so, what areas of your life are you going to take on for automating? As a final reminder, this podcast episode is sponsored by the Windhaven Witches. The Windhaven Witches is a rapid release series that will be coming at you in just two weeks, starting September 15th. If you're a fan of the supernatural, crazy mysteries, and even mythologies, this is the series for you. Secret Legacy Book 1 is just 99 cents wherever books are sold. And in addition, 50% of the royalties from this book are being donated to the American Cancer Society. 
Head over to Barnes Noble, Amazon, or of course, Apple iBooks to pre-order your copy today. Well, my writerly friend, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. I know I did. Until next time, go forth and start your author revolution.